Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Well, we've been in a series called Imagining More, and um, I'm grateful that I get to um, keep that series going today. I really want to speak to our desires. How many of you guys know there are desires that God has placed inside of us that it might be for now, it might be for later. There might even be some desires in you that honestly, it just it's probably from pizza from last night. And so we're going to be talking about, man, where are those desires coming from? What do we do with them? And how do we discern them? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for just your spirit. God, it's your spirit, Lord, that we need to illuminate your word, to lead us to Jesus, and to transform our hearts. So God, give us an, an open heart, Lord. Let the posture of our heart, God, be humility this morning. So that God, that our pride won't get in the way, our shame won't get in the way, our insecurity won't get in the way. Lord, make a way, God, that we can hear from you, receive from you, God, and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Forgot to say, if you're um, taking notes this morning, I'm going to title this message, Imagining More in Christ When Tempted, okay? Speaking of being tempted, I think, you know, there's times when you watch a movie, man, that was good, that's amazing, maybe there should be a sequel, but then there's some movies like, hey, you shouldn't make a sequel. Like, it's... Like, it was great. Just leave it alone. It was amazing. But, you know, sometimes we get a little greedy. We make the second, third, tenth film, and it's terrible. But it's somehow still a worldwide blockbuster. I don't get how that works. And so um, can, I, can I confess something? Um, I, I feel that way with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And, uh, man, the classic was amazing. It still is amazing. Second ones, I don't know. It's a little suspect in my, in my mind. I, 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 I saw where they're coming from, but you know what? No one, this is probably why. No one could compare to the first version of Veruca Salt. You guys remember Veruca? Woo! An obnoxious little girl. And, and let me give you, trust, I'm, I'm going somewhere, so just hear me out. Don't shut me out, okay? If you don't like it, don't worry. Pastor Matt's going to be back next week, okay, preaching. Um, but give, just give me 30 minutes, okay? So... <laughs> and so Baruch Salt, you know, are you guys familiar with, with the golden ticket? The golden ticket where really one was like, hey, I am going to put a little golden ticket, I don't know, six, seven, eight different candy bars. And so all the kids are trying to go through every little candy. Veruca Salt is like, you know what? We got to give Veruca this opportunity. She has to have it. So literally hundreds and hundreds of workers are opening up um, these uh, candy bars and finally they found a golden ticket. So fast forward, they're in the factory, and they come upon this really interesting um, geese that can actually um, produce chocolate eggs that are perfect for Easter. And so Veruca, in her famous words and song, I won't do the song, but I'll tell you what it is, I want it now. And so saying over and over, I want it now, I want it now. And it finally gets this faithful moment where she says, I want it now. And she steps on a scale and it says, bad egg. And whoop, Veruca's gone forever. And that's the end, not of the story, but of Veruca. And 
you know, as we're watching that movie, I'm sure there's probably two different people watching. There's one person saying, Veruca, you got it, girl. Like, uh, you deserve that. You saw it, you know, you saw it coming. But then some of us who have a little bit more of a heart, maybe a little more Christ, like, I'm so sorry, Veruca. You know, like, there's still grace for you. But I think no matter what camp that you're in, we probably would all agree because we're watching the movie you know, we have a little bit more of a, of a perspective and angle is that, oh, man, I know where this is going. Like, this is so obvious right now. I think the same can be said in our families, for many people that we love, where it's like, man, you see them going down a not-so-good path. You're like, ooh, don't, don't, don't go there. That, that's not good for you. But then when you're that person... When you're singing that song, I want it now, and you're stepping, you're going after it, you're like, no, no, you don't understand. I got this. And you know what? You didn't get it. You got the bad egg. You're gone too, okay? <laughs> and so here's how I would say it. It's far easier to see someone else's sin than our own. I know we know that, but can I say that again? Is that it's far easier far um, less vulnerable, far easier in our pride to see everyone else's sin, but not want to see our own. In fact, Jesus said, hey, that little speck you see in your neighbor's eye, there's a log in your eye, and it's really big. <laughs> and so it's, it's so much easier to see things in someone else and not see in ourselves. How many times in, 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 our, in our marriages where it's so easy to, to, to not look at ourselves. Man, if my spouse just like made better dinners, if my spouse, you know, that, by the way, that's not true. That's just a random example. I just wanted to clarify that. I felt, I felt like if it was the Lord, if that was my wife, I was like, I didn't say that. <laughs> I love you, baby. It could, be, it could be dinner. It could be like, hey, you're always late to everything. How can you make everything about you? But really, it's not them. It's, it's really you. You're, you're, you're not taking ownership of yourself. Maybe in a friendship. Maybe, maybe it even could be at your job where it's like, man, you just don't like your boss. or just always nagging you and controlling you. But you're late every single day. You, maybe you don't waste company money, but you waste company hours. You're wasting people's time because you're complaining and nagging. And it's like you haven't told them that you're a believer yet, but you probably shouldn't because with your words that you're speaking, they're probably not going to believe you. And so it's far easier, right, to see someone else's stuff, but to not look at our own. It's so much easier for me to see things, but not, but not see it in me. And I think the same thing can be said about temptation, is that when we're tempted by something, again, if temptation was so obvious, so clear, this is what it is, I think a lot of us probably wouldn't fall as much as we, we do for it. But the reality is, um, temptation, I think a lot of times we, we say things like, oh, that's not going to happen to me. Not me. Um, fun fact about me. I know you didn't come to church to hear a fun fact about me, but let me give you one. Um, you know, I love documentaries, um, especially the one, it sounds terrible, but let me explain this, where it's like, you know, maybe a company is doing really well, but then out of nowhere, it's like, whoa, like what happened to it? Maybe there was, um, whether, I don't know, a celebrity, a sports star, whatever it is, it's like, wow, like, everything was going well, but it's like, oh my gosh, like, what, what happened? 
And I'm not intrigued by that because of the failure. It's, it's sobering to me. Like, that didn't happen overnight. There was little things that maybe seemed not like a big deal, but then over time, it, it became a big deal. I think a lo- some of the reasons why we, um, are in, our, in our battle of temptation, we think of the big things. Don't have an affair. Don't, you know, do something financially corrupt, which, by the way, you shouldn't do those things. But, but then there's those smaller things that were like, it doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but it really is. Let me, let me put a definition of this to help us out. Temptation is anything that is leading us not to find our ultimate satisfaction and sufficiency in Jesus. It's, it's the ultimate part, right? Because there's a lot of good things that shouldn't be God things. There's a lot of good things that shouldn't be ultimate things. Let me give you an example. Um, when, it, when it comes to money, does God not want us to have money? Absolutely not. Is there something wrong with being rich in someone's eyes? Absolutely not. But when that becomes the engine, the motivator, where it's like, man, when I step into this space, man, I feel a certain way about myself. When I step into this space, man, people look at me a certain way. What became something that you could use for the kingdom and what you could use for others now has become the ultimate satisfaction, ultimate sufficiency. It could even be a career. Man, I'm so grateful that God hasn't just given us work just to work for a profit, I mean, for, for, um, for provision. But man, God has given us a career and a job for purpose. But when that job and career becomes, man, this is what wakes me up in the morning so I can feel good about myself. When I can separate in that space and say, hey, like, man, this is my title. This is who I am. It's like, no, no, no. Like, it's become the ultimate thing. Maybe it even could be a relationship where it's like, man, once I get that person, once I have this, like, no, no. God does want you to have fruitful, healthy, holy relationships. But when that thing isn't there and you're blaming God for it, it's become the ultimate thing. And so temptation isn't just, man, I've crossed the line in my actions, but when our hearts are being tempted to, to be lured away that I would find it in something other than Jesus, we're starting to go the wrong way. Can I remind all of us and myself this morning that temptation in itself isn't bad, that when, when we respond to temptation in the wrong way, that is sin, but we do have to talk about temptation and how it can lure us away. I think, I think sometimes when we think about temptation, we think of it as just physical and not spiritual. We think of it as just external, but not what's happening in my heart and in my head. Put, put another way, is that our battle with temptation is more than just about um, our desires, but it's about being deceived. Let me, let me explain that more. Is that not every desire you have is good. Um, not every desire that... Um, that, that, that is good, it's supposed to be for right now. And so we really have to put into context, Lord, where is this desire coming from and is it now? So I think what we can see from Scripture is that we're not, when it comes to temptation, it's not just this urgent feeling, but we're also facing is deceptive desires. And sometimes that can be hard for us to understand because sometimes it's like, man, like if I feel it, I want it. 
You know, it's like, man, if, I, if it's something in me, man, I just, if I crave it, it must mean that I must get it. But I don't know about you, there's been plenty of times where I went out for something, I'm like, I wish I wouldn't have got that. That was not Jesus. That was not his heart. That was way more harmful. It was way more destructive. I wish I would, I wish I would have trusted God with that. And so let me, let, me, let, me, let me build my case. Think of the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. Eve is in the garden, and the enemy comes in and says, hey, you should have that fruit from the uh, tree, of, tree of good and evil. I don't want that fruit. God told me I'm going to die. And he's like, no, you're not going to die. Just have the fruit. Here's the thing, Eve. If you have the fruit, then you're going to be like God, and God doesn't want you to be like him, a.k.a. God is withholding from you. God is like wanting, he, he's, he, he's not giving you everything. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can have that same mindset. God, like, you know I want this. You know it's like this is my heart. It says it in scripture. But that's where the deceptive desires come in. Because then it says that when Eve was convinced, then the fruit became attractive to her. She wasn't just facing like these physical desires and it's like, it's like, yes, yes, she's hungry. Absolutely she is. But that's where the enemy will come in and say, no, no, no. God is actually withholding from you and now your desires have been deceived. And so we got to be so careful that, man, you might be desiring something, but is it now? Is it Jesus? Is it not Jesus? Th- think about King David. A lot of us are familiar, bless you, um, are, are familiar with, with Bathsheba where, oof, that wasn't good, where he sees Bathsheba. He's like, wow, like, I like her. She's married. I don't care. Goes out. I mean, it's a long story, but we often forget, why was David in that vulnerable place? Scripture says that David was supposed to be at war with his men fighting, but instead he was back home. And I don't know if it's because he was bored, if he was stagnant, if he was tired, but whatever happened, he wasn't, he wasn't where he was supposed to be in Jesus' eyes. And so again, we're not just facing our desires, but when we allow deception to um, curve, to affect our desires, that's where we get ourselves in trouble. And here's, here's the key for all this, is that deception undermines how we see and trust in God's character. That is the enemy's ultimate plan, and our flesh is, is trying to actually take us another direction, is that when our desires deceive us, it shapes how we see God and how we see people. And so I want to I wanna humbly submit to all of us, say that for some of us, we're wrestling today, but we may not be wrestling what we think that we're wrestling with. Some of us may, we, we, we think we're wrestling with, man, like um, my my spouse is against me. They never want me happy. How come they're always angry at me? But there might be some deception in how you're seeing your spouse when those things are happening. Could they get better? Probably. Could they probably say it a little bit differently? Maybe. But how you're seeing them, Scripture says, don't go to bed angry because you're allowing a foothold on yourself. So again, that's where, that's where the deception is. Maybe for some of us, we just feel so stuck right now in our job, in our career, and there really is more for you, but God is wanting to do something right now. Like in this moment, in this season, it might be a little shifty right now at your job, but God's like, no, I have you there, and I'm doing something. 
And so let's talk about desires. Let's talk about deception. And we're going to be in James chapter 1 today. So go ahead and turn your Bibles, James chapter 1, verse 13. Let me give you some context. James is speaking to believers that have been scattered through persecution. It's been hard. It's been difficult. James is reminding them that we have a, a great salvation, a living hope in Jesus. And he's talking to them about, hey, God is testing you right now. He's building your faith. He's proving your faith. He is making your faith genuine. But now he's switching gears. Now it's been, okay, God is testing your faith. So, hey, watch out. Now the enemy is going to try to tempt your faith. He's trying to tempt you. This is what it says in chapter 1, verse 13. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anybody else. James is trying to help us to build a good theology when it comes to temptation. Step one, don't blame God. Don't say, God, like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? L let me give some context. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to figure things out. And this is why community, this is why I love small groups so much, is that none of us are meant just to love God and not love, love his church. Like, we're not meant to just follow Jesus and not be in a community. Because when we're struggling and processing, we need people that say, hey, like, am I thinking about this right? Am I like, I feel kind of scared right now. I'm a little hurt. We need community for that. And so, 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 so what I'm not saying is, hey, like, if something's off or wrong, just, you know, shut off your brain. Just follow God. No, no, no. But James is saying something very significant. When your heart wants to blame God, that's not a good starting point. In fact, there are times when we do things that are not in God's heart, and then we blame God for it when it doesn't work out. In fact, Proverbs says this, 19.3, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. He never told you to take that job. <laughs> He never told you to take that relationship, right? He never told you to make that whatever, right? But when we allow our hearts to like, oh, God, like, why did you do this? James like, hey, don't go there. God never tempts anybody. I remember um, when I was an intern at a church many, many years ago, um, it looked like after this internship, I was going to, you know, maybe be placed in a ministry position a little bit more full time. And uh, we got to the end of the internship, and that wasn't the result of it. And I remember I was so, um, I was discouraged. I was kind of doubting, like, man, like, was I missing Jesus? Like, what was wrong? Um, but then there was a moment where I felt like, ooh, I'm a little angry right now. Like, Jesus, like, why did you waste my time? Like, why did, again, I'm not saying this, but I'm, not, but I'm feeling like, like, God, like, why am I wasting, like, why did you do this? And I'm so grateful that I didn't let that lie go deeper in my soul. I was able to talk to my pastors. Hey, I'm feeling this way. I know what's wrong. Help me to like, how am I missing this? And they started, and they started to tell me that, you know, Chris, like your, your faith actually wasn't in Christ in this process. Your faith, your faith was actually placed in an outcome where the reason why you're so disappointed it's because, man, God's still doing something, but he just didn't do it the way that you wanted him to. 
And I'm like, I'm angry at the Lord with my own foolishness, and it's all my fault. Now, was I fully not trusted in God? No, but there was a great part of my heart that just missed it. So I would say it like this. Deception is when we blame God um, for his lack of timing rather than our misplaced faith in an outcome. We got to be careful that we don't put our faith in what we think should happen. We got to place it in his character. Because no matter what happens, his character never changes. He's always faithful. He's always holy. He's always loving. He's always pursuing our hearts. But thank God, he does things differently than how we would do it. And so we got it. James is saying, hey, first thing is this. When it comes to temptation, don't blame God. Don't blame his lack of timing. Don't blame him for all these different things. God is good. Verse 14 says this. And now, and now James, he's, he's going to punch us in the face, all right? He's like, hey, listen, it's not God, it's you, okay? Verse 14, it's not me, it's you. He, he means it, okay? Verse 14, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and they drag us away. He's like, hey, don't blame God. And yes, there, there is this thing called the world where the culture of this world, the sins of this world are going against God's ways and thoughts, but James is like, hey, I want you to look at your own desires right now. Because your desires, they're probably deceiving you. Now, that word desires, that the original word, it means a lust. It, it actually means a, a over-desire. Meaning that it could be something that's good, but it's an over-desire. You want it a little bit too much. Where it's not just a, a good thing, but now it's, now it's an ultimate thing. So uh, speaking of that, it reminded me of, of yesterday. So I love my wife. She, um, she brought me home my favorite chocolate milk um, yesterday. I'm like, I know you love me, but you really love me. Um, but you know what? Um, being that I'm trying to be a good dad, I couldn't have that all to myself, so I had to share it um, with my family. There was some temptation not to share, but I, uh, I did share but, you know, I, I, love, uh, I love my one-year-old, Alora because she's in that funny place right now where she's not fully just grunting, but she's not really saying words, words yet. I mean, she, I mean, dad, dad, but little mama, but not like full, you know, more than that, right? And so this girl, I'm like, man, I, I want to I, I build her character. I don't care if she's one. We're going to build some character in this girl, okay? And so, um, and she knows what this beautiful thing called chocolate milk is. And so... Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I, was, maybe I wasn't building, maybe I was just teasing her now that I'm saying it out loud. But I'm like, I am I'm going to give the first cup of chocolate milk to her, her um, older sister, Selah, who's seven. And so gave it to Selah. You know, he's just, you know, you know, just started to make a fuss about it, right? And so finally, I'm like, man, okay, that's Selah. That's Let me give you your cup. She's taking it, you know, and she's like, I don't, you know, she didn't say I don't want it, but, you know, she pretty much saw it, didn't want it, just threw it to the ground. My girl, you spilled my chocolate milk. You, I gave you a chance, but this is going downhill. And, and it's, so, it's so funny. Laura trying to console her, no, baby, here it is. Here's the cup, you know, and she's like, I don't want it. And she threw it again. I'm like, all right, lost cause. Let's, 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 uh, let's move on. Can I tell you, she over-desired that chocolate milk in that moment. And it's like, man, it, it was okay to desire it, but there was a over-desire. And we see that like with James where 
you know, it's, it's almost like you, you hear the warning in James' voice. Because these temptations from these over-desires, not only do they entice us, but there comes a moment, it almost was kind of violent, where it's now dragging us away. With one thing that just caught our eye in our hearts, now it's controlling us. You know that moment where it's like, and I, I've told myself this before, where it's like, no, I, I, I got this. I can control this thing, this sin. No one knows, you know, I got this, you know. Maybe you said the phrase, you know, I can quit whenever I want. But then when it comes to quitting, like, you really can't quit. And now it's like, ooh, I'm being dragged away. And again, I'm not, I'm not just talking about external things. But I'm talking about in our hearts, people pleasing. I'm talking about where you knew in your heart that you needed, needed to forgive somebody. You chose not to. You thought, man, I can just, I can just kind of push it down. It's all good, right? I can just keep loving people, encouraging people. But now it's, now it's dragging you away, and there's bitterness in your heart. And it's spewing out, and it's negative, and it's toxic. And it's just like, ooh, what is that? Maybe for some of us, there was just, I mean, there was just like physical or sexual lust inside of your heart. And it's like, gosh, like, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to push this away. But now it's like, gosh, I can't control this. Can I just tell you right now that there's no shame in Jesus? If you feel like you're being dragged away right now, God can heal you. He can deliver you. We do have the Holy Spirit that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so this isn't a doom and gloom, but James really is like, hey, be careful. These desires, these deceptive desires, if you're not careful, they will start to drag you away. So sometimes we ask the wrong question. We ask the question, how close is the line? Or how far can I go? Jesus would say, no, 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 just don't have it in your heart. Because then that thing becomes an idol. And, and here's how I would describe an idol. An idol is anything we need to check in with before God. And so, like, I, I could check in with God about this. Um, but, man, like, my reputation means too much. And, like, man, my social media following, woo, out of 1,000 followers, paid for half of them, but let's go. You know, so, you know we all got to start somewhere. <laughs> I didn't do that, by the way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So great. So dumb. Um, and so we have to check in with, with, with ourselves or our idol before we check in with God. And so we're really, we're really not under his lordship, but we're under our own self-governing lordship. And that's not a great place to be. John Wesley, again, punches us in the face. He says, the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. We're, we are great at making anything and everything an idol. And so, again, James is like, hey, be careful. Don't blame God. Don't look to the left and the right. Look inside. Is there an over-desire right now? Is there something that has the, the power to, to, to drag you away? And here's why. Verse uh, 15. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So when we allow those things in our lives to grow, um, it eventually gives birth to death. So sin, what happens? Sin grows in the darkness. Darkness meaning that we don't bring it to Christ. 
We don't talk about it to others. There's these over-desires that we just keep to ourselves. They hide, they fester, and then they grow into things that we don't want it to. You know, for myself personally, I, I've shared this um, a couple times from, from the platform. It never gets easy, to be honest with you. Um, but I was reading in the, the Psalms this week where it says that, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When there are things that God has freed you from, you're supposed to talk about it. Part of your freedom journey in Jesus is one to get free, but to tell other people about it. And even in Revelation where it says that, how do they overcome the enemy? One, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I think that's, something for, I think that's for somebody in this room or even online, that part of your freedom is you got to start talking about it. But not talking about it with shame, not like, I mean, just, just put it out there because God's like, hey, that's going to that's gonna help free somebody else. And so middle school, high school, young adult years, um, serving in ministry, I struggle with sexual sin. And not because I, I wanted to. Um, I, I just felt stuck in so many ways. And there was shame there. There was embarrassment. And, and I was a Christian, too. I was like, man, I love Jesus. I love his church. I love serving. But I just I felt so caught up. But here's what the problem was. I was struggling, but I was struggling silently. Nobody knew. None of my friends, none of my leaders, none of my pastors. I was so afraid to be judged. I was so afraid that it's like once I tell somebody, it's like, oh, you know, saw that coming. You know, got the boot. That was it. And it was so tough to carry that. I remember in that season that um, I got this moment where I was like, God, look, I don't know if I can keep um, keep doing this. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just going to be done with church. I'm going to be done with you. And not because I don't love church or love God, but because I'm just, my soul is just getting so sick right now. And um, so I remember I was, I, I, was just, I was just in one of those shame moments, and I was talking to the Lord, and I was like, Jesus, like, um, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm so tired. I just can't, I, I can't overcome. I, I just, I feel so tired in this area. And um, I remember the Lord spoke, not audibly, but I just, I know the Lord's voice, and he spoke to my heart. He's like, Chris, you are not tired of this. And I was like, okay, <laughs> give me more. <laughs> Like, that hurts. <laughs> Speak to me. Talk to me, you know? And what the Lord spoke to me was, Chris, you're, you're not tired. You're not, not tired of this sin. You're tired of believing that you can't overcome this. You're tired of believing that this is going to, you feel like this is going to be part of your life forever, but it's not. I can free you. I can heal you. And that was a moment where I not just repented of the consequences, but I repented of my unbelief. Um, but it didn't just stop there. I told, I, I didn't tell everybody, but I told a couple people. Oh my, I was so scared. Oh my gosh. I was like, I was almost, almost like, hey, here's my confession. Here's my resignation. Here's my, here's my faith. See in heaven, you know, like I'm just, I'm out. Um, but that didn't happen. Like there was so much grace and freedom. And I literally, oof, just even thinking about it, like just the, the freedom, like of just like, oh, Jesus, here's my stuff. Like, I don't want to carry this anymore. I'm not meant to carry this. You're, you're meant to carry this. And I love this. 
Sin grows in the dark, but freedom in Christ is experienced in the light. And the reason being is that James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's something powerful that when we are stuck in a rut, maybe in habitual sin, maybe we're stagnant, maybe we're just um, in, in, in a bad place. First John tells us when we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just. He will cleanse you of all the He will forgive you. But James tells us, don't get yeah, talk to God, but talk to people. When you talk to people, healing happens. We cannot separate my walk with God with my walk with people. My walk with God is primary, but that should overflow into relationships. Can I tell you humbly that you're only as sick as your secrets? And that some of us, if we were just to talk to somebody and open up, there'd be a flood of grace and mercy. And so let's not let sin grow in the dark. Like, let's step into the light with Jesus and with people and experience healing in Jesus' name. Now, how many of you guys know that God doesn't just remove something from our lives, but he also wants to give us something? He doesn't just want us to resist temptation, but he wants us to love him deeper. He wants us to experience intimacy with him. So I want to just go to, we're going to land here in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to talk about our, our journey with Jesus, okay? So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You know, God has a race for you. You may not know what it is today, but he has a race for you. It's ordained by heaven. There is a race that God has called you um, to be on, and on that race, he wants us to lay down every weight. He wants us to, the sin that can so easily entangle, he wants to get untangled. I love how the author of Hebrews makes a distinction. There's sin that is clear, don't get tangled. But then he says there might be some good things that are good, but they're weights on you right now. They're, they're holding you back. So for some of us, man, there must, might be some sin. We just need to get untangled. But there might be some good things that are just weighing us down right now. And it's not allowing us to run with endurance. Well, how do we do that? We find that in verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I love this, is that how do we resist sin? It's not by being great resistors. How do we overcome sin in our lives? Not by just becoming great overcomers. No, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We look towards him. And I love the original language where it says, you know, looking or keeping our eyes on Jesus. It means this. The word signifies undivided attention, looking away from all distractions in order to fix one's gaze on one object. In other words, having eyes for nobody but Jesus. So when we can take the distractions of this world, when we push it aside and we just put our affections onto Jesus, Oh, like what he can do inside of our hearts. Some of us, man, we feel so divided right now. It's because our attention's divided. If we can place our attention on Christ, those affections start to come. And I don't just mean like these fuzzy feelings. Those are great when they come. Um, but I don't just look for feelings with God. I just, I want to personally know him. And so, 
maybe you're stuck right now. Maybe there's some sin. Maybe you're, you're tempted right now. And you're like, man, what do I do? I want to give us three R's, okay? It'll make sense in a moment. Three R's where I think it'll help us to look to Jesus in this, okay? So the first one is, oh, I'm going to skip those, is repent, okay? Repent. Can I tell you re- repent is not a bad word? It's a great word. It's a gift, that God gives us the grace to turn our ways and to go a different direction. And so Romans 12.2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so part of repenting is I'm sorry, and part of resisting temptation is acknowledging God like I was actually putting my hope and desires in something else and not in you. Sometimes before we move forward, we got to like, man, look around. No, no, that's not good. God, I need to repent of this first. In Acts chapter 4, it tells us that when we repent, seasons of refreshing come. Can I encourage you, if you are a believer and you are new to your faith, or maybe you're coming back. Maybe you've been away from the house of God. You've been away from the Lord in your heart. One of the best things you can do is saturate yourself with Scripture. And not just the discipline of Scripture, but when you allow God's Word to renew your mind. You know, in Hebrews 4, it tells us that God's Word is living and active, meaning that it goes right to the attitudes of our hearts. And so there might be some things that you know that are wrong, but when you allow God's word through his spirit to illuminate God's word in your heart, he shows you what that sin is. In a world that wants to be self-governing, their own self-authority, in a world that may want to resist authority, as believers, we want to allow God's word to be our ultimate authority. So let's allow God's word to speak to our hearts. So there might might be some things you need to repent of. For some of us, it might be we need to recommit. I feel that way every Monday when it comes to my gym game. All right, Lord, recommitting. Might be Wednesday, but let's say it's Monday. Let's go. That that is real. Last week I I took last week off, so I'm. This is a public confession. Like I'm recommitting tomorrow in Jesus' name. You know, you know what I heard? I was, I was in this um, really awesome space with other leaders on Friday, and this pastor said that I think some of us, we think that God is looking for passion, but he's, what he's really looking for is, is commitment. Passion's great, but I think the most passionate thing we can do is to be committed and devoted to being a follower of Christ. And we see this in, in, in the book of Revelation, where God is talking to the church of Ephesus. He's like, hey, you guys are crushing it. You guys are calling out false idols. You guys are persevering when people are trying to persecute you. All these works that you're doing are great, but yet there's one thing that I hold against you. You have forsaken the love you first had. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Again, you see that theme of repentance. But I love how um, John doesn't say, repent and feel those feelings again. Repent and, man, lament that the good old days with God are over. No, 
He says, repent and just do the things you did at first. Remember those times that when you first got saved and before you had a long list of prayer needs and before you try to get to every, you know, word in like your study Bible, before, you know, um, all these different tasks became tasks. Remember when you would just put on worship and like, God, I'm just here right now. Speak to me. As I'm not looking for anything right now. I just want to be in your presence. When I come to your word, I'm not looking for this, this word for me. I'm not looking for a feeling. I just want to be with you right now. Sometimes we think recommitment is like we got to charge the hill. We got to be super disciplined. Be disciplined. But remember, just do the things you did at first. Make your focus again the Lord and those affections will come. Now, let me say this last one. Let me, let me say, repenting is great. Recommitting is great. But if we don't have this third one, the other ones don't really matter. They matter, but they won't last. It's rest. We need, we need a rest in Christ. We, we, we keep our eyes on Jesus, but here's why. Because he's the champion. He, he initiated our faith. He's going to perfect our faith. And because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. What the author of Hebrews is saying, the reason why you're able to resist sin, the reason why you're able to throw off every weight, the reason why you're able to um, keep going is because Christ has already done it for you. In our resisting of temptation and of not falling into sin, we have to remind ourselves that sin's been defeated. The grave's been defeated. That Jesus has resurrected. Now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and now we can rest in His promises. We can rest in His presence. I think for some of us, we try to, myself included, we try to beat sin by trying to just put all our strength into this. Can I tell you that on your best days, it's never good enough? But when we know in our hearts that Jesus, He said what He um, did he died on the cross he raised himself and now we have his spirit living inside of us it's not our flesh that's going to win but it's his holy spirit when we lean in allow him to lead us we're going to not just resist sin but we're going to experience more intimacy with christ so let me remind all of us is that when it comes to our desires not all of our desires are good some might be deceptive and when we feel temptation at our door Let's not blame God. Let's look inside. There might be an over-desire there. And if there is, you don't have to struggle alone. You don't have to struggle in silence. You have the Lord. You have community. That when we expose things in the light, there is freedom. And let's keep our eyes on Christ. We're not here just to um, walk away from, yes, walk away from sin, but we're also meant to, hey, God wants to grow our intimacy with him and our love for him. In Jesus' name. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for just speaking to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that no temptation, God, is too big for us, God. And that's because, Lord, you want us to depend on you and to trust in you. So I pray, God, for those in this house today, God, and online that might be struggling today. God, they feel stuck and stagnant. I just pray, Lord, they would know, Lord, there was an overflowing amount of grace, God, 
from you. And that, Lord, that you died, God, not that we would just behave better, but, Lord, that we would trust in you. So, God, give us that grace. Give us that mercy, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would, rem you would remind us of our first love, Lord, that, God, it's not just about doing things for you, but it's about being with you and being your presence. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We give God some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.